Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Ryan Seedy, CEO and founder of Maintium, a cloud-based AI platform that's raised over $12 million in funding. Ryan, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Brett. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building at Maintium, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Yeah, sure. So I think I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I grew up on a farm outside of a place called Germantown, Ohio which probably nobody knows where that even is, but you can look it up on a Google map and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) But uh, at a young age, I wanted to basically save up enough money to buy a computer. So I (laughs) sold birdseed out of uh, my parents' roadside stand. Farming was definitely not for me. I had a web development company back in like the early 90s. Taught myself PHP. Then out of school, I got really involved in cybersecurity. And that's where I ended up meeting my now two-time co-founder, Jason Montgomery. We were both working at American Electric Power doing smart grid cybersecurity type of work. And then him and I got interested in machine learning while we were there. We thought, hey, we have all this data. It'd be really nice if we could basically find patterns in it to help basically look at indicators of compromise. So we took some classes offered by Stanford that gave rise to our first startup that was called Nexosis. And that was an AutoML platform aimed at software developers that ended up getting acquired by Data Robot. And then we left Data Robot almost two years ago to start Mantium. Wow, very cool. And to dive into Mantium, in simple terms, what problem are you solving and for whom? Yeah, so a big problem that we've always kind of notice is implementation of AI is hard and the business users typically expect one thing and then the data science team, machine learning engineers go off and they build something and expectations don't always meet reality. And the other problem is, is when you spend all this time building a model, you might have it built and the organization, the business unit, the sponsor might hope to get eight or nine applications built off that model. And oftentimes, maybe only one gets developed because of just priorities and lack of resources. So with Mantium, we're aiming at basically helping to get stuff into production faster. And to do that, we offer a no-code, low-code platform. So you can just take your model, plop it into a canvas, hook up maybe a front end, hook up maybe a destination, which could be something like Intuit, and you're off to the races. Interesting. And how do you deal with all the noise around AI? I feel like that's such a buzzword now. You know, every startup seems to be throwing that around. How do you separate your AI from all the other noise out there? One thing that we do is, so everything in Mantium, we don't really do custom model creation. We leverage the open source community and we leverage some cloud providers such as OpenAI, Cohere, AI21. And when we started, we decided to become very, very focused on something called large language models, which uses architecture, which is transformers. And not to get too much into that, but essentially that's probably the latest and greatest as far as machine learning goes. So we're very, very focused on that language aspect. So think documents, unstructured text, things of that nature. 
getting them into the platform, then running them through or enriching them with large language models. I think you're right. There's a lot of buzz around what is AI, what is machine learning. We just try to, whenever we talk to customers, we really talk about large language models and transformers more specifically. So we try not even to use the jargon of AI. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And who would you say is a dream customer for you today? And what's the pitch to that customer? Yeah, today we're focused a lot on the insurance industry. And a really good use case is with their claims department. They have to go out and typically they get these accident crash reports from police departments. And sometimes these are 16 to 50 pages long, just depending on the state, the jurisdiction, etc. And so one thing that we do is we take those, we ingest them into an application, and then we extract out all the relevant information that the insurance claim department might need. Things like time the accident took place, where it took place, the parties involved, their information, right? Like their first name, last name, where they live. And without us, before us, those claim people would have to go in and manually read this and then enter it into their claim management software. It's also very, very air prone if you're not using something like Mantium, right? Because there's all these different forms. And again, all these different jurisdictions have slightly different forms. So you can imagine if you're used to looking at a certain place, maybe to get the driver information, that information might be completely different on a different form, right? It, it might actually be the other party, the second party. So we really like insurance companies right now. That is kind of our ideal customer. Got it. And are these you know, workers who were doing that type of manual work before, are they going to be you know, displaced because of this? Or is this more about you know, removing manual tasks and empowering them to focus on more higher level work? Uh, we don't think displacement will occur because of Mantium. Uh, if anything, we highlight the need for human in the loop. So one of the other more common features of all of our workflows is a human in the loop element because the accuracy of these models is not 100%. So our users can configure if the confidence is below a certain threshold or if a very important value is missing. Let's say you have to have the time of the accident extracted, but for some reason, the model does not extract that. That would trigger human the loop. So then a human gets alerted and they say, hey, this crash report was sent through Mantium we extracted everything except for X. They log in, they can see the crash report. We actually highlight where we believe that information might be. So then the human can read it and then they can manually type in whatever that variable might be. And then they hit approve and then it goes on the rest of the way, right? So we just cut down in that scenario where there isn't 100% accuracy. We cut down the human involvement significantly, right? Like now you're just looking for one element in the crash report instead of trying to get everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do see that trend probably continuing. I, I think the real value as we get more and more AI adoption isn't replacing humans. It's how do we make humans more efficient? How do we make them more effective? And quite frankly, how do we get people to do more high value tasks? A lot of the employees that typically do this work, when we talk to them, they say things like, this is very boring, tedious work, and I would much rather spend my time on the harder problems. And we want to enable that. Got it. Very cool. And do you see that insurance companies are receptive to new technology like this? Or do they tend to be resistant to change? What do you think of that? I think in today's world, you have to be 
open to change. And I think that we're certainly seeing that not just in insurance, but more broadly. Uh, another industry that we're fairly active in is oil and gas. And that's traditionally kind of this ignored industry, but they have tons of data laying around. And I think just in general, my view on the market is this. Every company today is going to have to become a company that is transitioning to be an AI company. Much like probably 10, 20 years ago, every company had a transition to becoming a software company. Otherwise, they were going to become irrelevant. I think we're going to get that exact same transition today, but instead of software, it's now AI. Got it. Interesting. And what about market categories? How do you think about market categories? Are you creating a new one, transforming an existing one? Do you have any thoughts there? I think a little bit of both, but fundamentally, we think that we're creating a new category called AI process automation. We think that we are the evolution of RPA or robotic process automation. And kind of the fundamental difference in our view is that we have taken an AI approach first to how we automate these tedious tasks. And the platform was built from the ground up to support things like large language models. And as AI gets more and more mature in other domains, we'll certainly add those capabilities to our platform as well. And what activities are you doing right now to create that category? Is there anything specific that you're doing that you're really seeing work well? I mean, I think like if we just talk about the insurance and the crash reports, mm-hmm. there's been OCR tech for a long time. And if you look at that industry, you'll notice that a lot of the OCR vendors do not do the hard stuff. And I would say that crash reports are one of those hard things, right? It's not a standardized form. It's very, very different based on state, jurisdiction, etc. But like that really highlights why AI is now kind of moving the needle, right? Like we can actually now go and do this hard stuff that traditionally you never could do with kind of those older legacy OCR types of technologies. Makes sense. And how much traction have you seen so far with you know, insurance customers and really just any customers that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you today we have over 2,000 active users on our platform. We're continuously adding more customers and we're branching off into other similar domains. So beyond insurance, one of the other things that we're doing a lot now is account payable processing. And what we found is that there are a lot of these older, I guess, legacy, not super technically savvy companies out there, think like manufacturing companies, and they're on these older ERP systems. But they're looking and they're saying, I don't want to change my ERP system. I, I really just want technology that can now come in, automate my invoice processing or my account payable processing. So we're seeing also a lot of traction there. But like I said, we got over 2,000 users today, number of paying customers as well from Enterprise Front. Wow. And looking at your traction with fundraising, I believe it was over 12 million raised. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. And was that your seed round then? That was our seed round. Wow, that's an impressive seed round. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that helps that you guys you know, had an exit before. And it's a, it said you and your co-founder have worked together on multiple companies too, right? Yeah, I think all that certainly helps. And, and we're in a space that we've been active in for quite a while. All that certainly helps when you're trying to raise. Makes sense. Do you think you struggled at all to raise or was it difficult at all not being in New York City or, or Silicon Valley? Well, not for us. I mean, part of it is Drive Capital did lead our, our seed round and they are Columbus based. And I also just I don't think geography matters as much anymore. I think COVID did a interesting job of proving that you can create very successful 
fully distributed teams. I think that the fact that we have been fully distributed from day one is a strength of ours. And I think that venture capitalists in general are really starting to look beyond San Francisco. I'm hearing more and more about VCs opening offices in Miami and other places that traditionally didn't have a big VC presence. And I think that trend is only going to continue over the next 10, 20 years. Yep, agreed. And if we zoom out into the future, what do you think the next five years will look like for the company? Yeah, I think immediately we have a number of technological advancements or enhancements that we're looking. Multimodal models uh, is something that we're looking to support over the next five years. I think there's a lot of really interesting use cases that are now happening because of tech like Dolly, which is an open AI technology, right? Where you can kind of type in, hey, here's the image that I want and we'll generate it. That's something that we're very, very keen on incorporating into our platform. And I think in general, the next five years, it's just going to be more and more companies trying to adopt and incorporate real artificial intelligence into their existing processes. Nice. And are there any specific use cases that you're really excited about outside of the ones that you mentioned? (laughs) Well, I think some of the stuff that we're working on, I think is going to make people really, really excited. So I'll tease it a little bit. But we internally now are using our own automation that basically goes out to Crunchbase. We get a list of companies that we're interested in. And then inside of Mantium, we take that information and then we send it to Apollo. So we enrich it uh, with the Apollo.io information on those companies. Then we actually use generative models like OpenAI's GPT-3 to take that information, combine it, and then create a custom tailored email for that Mm -hmm. contact. So this all happens in real time, right? Like from Crunchbase, goes and riches, gets the target lead, and then creates a very, very unique email for them. So there's no more templates when we do outbound prospecting, things of that nature. It's all very, very custom and driven by the AI. But we plan to release that whole workflow that I just talked about as a template probably early next year. But I think that's like one of the more exciting things because like part of our vision is democratizing AI. And I want people to be able to come to Mantium, start building their own unique applications. And I think once that happens, we're going to see a lot of really, really interesting stuff happen. Nice. Very cool. Well, I think our team will be sad to hear that. We have a team of five people in Ukraine that spend their time scripting Crunchbase, finding the data, and you know, managing the outreach process. So hopefully they, uh, they don't listen to this part of the interview. Well, they can use us. See, it, it's win-win. Then they're happy, we're happy, everybody's happy. It's a win-win. Very nice. Love it. All right, Ryan, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Well, you can check us out at mantiumai.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mantium. And you can find us on LinkedIn. Also, just search for Mantium and follow us. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for the time here, Ryan. Really appreciate it and wish you best of luck in executing on this vision. Yeah, thanks so much, Brett, for having me. All right, take care.